here in the New Testament. January 6th, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 48. You have heard that the law of Moses says, Do not commit adultery. But I say, Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, if your eye, even if it is your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even if it is your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard that the law of Moses says, A man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a letter of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that the law of Moses says, Do not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say, Don't make any vows. If you say, By heaven, it is a sacred vow because heaven is God's throne. And if you say, By the earth, it is a sacred vow because the earth is his footstool. And don't swear, By Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even swear, By my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just a simple, Yes, I will, or No, I won't. Your word is enough. To strengthen your promise with a vow shows that something is wrong. You have heard that the law of Moses says, If an eye is injured, injure the eye of the person who did it. If a tooth gets knocked out, knock out the tooth of the person who did it. But I say, don't resist an evil person. If you are slapped on the right cheek, turn the other too. If you are ordered to court, and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard that the law of Moses says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Think about your life along six dimensions. So the, the goal is this, you're going to take care of yourself. You're going to have a life in three years that justifies its suffering. That's the goal. So you can invent the damn life, but you have to think what you would be satisfied with so you wouldn't be all bitter and resentful. It's like, okay, what do you want from your family? What do you want from your friends? How are you going to educate yourself? What do you want for your career? How are you going to use your time outside of work? How are you going to handle drugs and alcohol and other temptations like that? How are you going to keep yourself mentally and physically healthy? 
And these are open questions, like you get to answer them. The idea is you can have whatever you want, but you have to figure out what it is. It has to be realistic and you have to figure out what it is. It's okay, so now develop a vision. What's your life gonna be like in three to five years? So you write it down. Your bad habits and your resentment and your bitterness and all of that, your procrastination gets completely out of hand and you auger down and you're in your own personal version of hell in three to five years. What does that look like? Well, everyone knows that. It's like everyone can look into the future and think, well, if I keep going on this dark path, this is where I'll end up. Well, then you've got a little hell outlined for yourself to run away from, and you've got a little heaven outlined for yourself to run towards, and then you're motivated. Because sometimes, you know, you're just hopeful. I would like a good thing to happen. It's like, yeah, but you know, I'd like to drink half a bottle of whiskey tonight too. It's like, so which is it gonna be? Well, just being hopeful about the future might not be enough, but then you think, oh, I see. Like, there's that little hell thing that I outlined that's waiting for me. And maybe I'm afraid of taking the next, next step forward because it's demanding and challenging. It's like, yeah, I'm afraid of that, but I'm way more afraid of where I might end up if I don't get my act together. And people should be. That's why there are conceptions of hell in so many religions. It's like, hell's a real place. Whether it's eternal, that's a whole different question. Whether it's waiting for you in the afterlife, that's a whole different question. But if you've never met anyone in hell, you haven't lived very long. You haven't had your eyes open. But most of the time you should think, where am I falling short of the ideal? My own ideal. Doesn't have to be one that someone puts on you. Where am I less than I should be? Where am I bitter? Where am I making the world a worse place than it has to be? Like you ask yourself those questions, you'll be in for a big shock. Say, well, what would happen if you stopped doing that? Stop saying things that make you weak. Stop telling lies that you know to be lies. Stop doing things you know to be useless and counterproductive. Aim high, adopt some responsibility, and then see what the hell happens. You wanna lay your life out so that it's providing you what you need to not be bitter and to work for your best interests and for the interests of everyone else. That would be lovely, and I think it's attainable. And one of the things that I've also been telling people, informing people about, is the idea that life isn't a game. It's a series of games. And the right ethic is to be the winner of the series of games. And part of that means you, well, you have to learn how to be a good loser. Let's say that you, could pick your you can pick your level of competition in life to some degree. Okay, so let's say you pick a level of competition where you're always winning. It's like, well, all that means is you picked the wrong level of competition. Yes. To be a winner, you want to be disciplined. You want to know what you're doing. And then you want to be on the edge where your skills are being developed. And if you're going to be on the edge where your skills are going to be developed, you're, you're at a place where, where loss, where losing is always a possibility. Because otherwise you're not pushing yourself beyond your current capacity. One of the things that I've outlined in 12 Rules for Life is, is a theory of meaning. Because meaning, as far as I'm concerned, that sense of meaningful engagement is the antidote to malevolence and suffering, essentially. Because you want to have a life that's so engaging that you think, despite the fact that I'm limited and that we're mortal and that life is tragedy and there's evil in the world, despite all that, this is worth doing. Life is suffering and betrayal in, in, in many senses of the world, but you can adopt a way of traversing through life that is more powerful than the tragedy and the malevolence. Get your act together. Stand up forthrightly, that's rule one. Stand up straight with your shoulders back. There's a vulnerable position, right, because you're open. 
But it's a powerful position because it means that you're brave enough to take what's coming. And it isn't like what's coming isn't dangerous. It's dangerous. So, but your best bet is to be dancing on your feet and ready for it. Pay attention and be awake.